Well, welcome everyone to the Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Dilly Dilly, and today we actually have a special episode. I'm joined with my co-worker and friend, Bryn Sauer. She's going to give you a little intro about herself in a second, uh, but we're going to be doing a two-part episode. So this will be part one. Next month, we'll have part two, so make sure to stay tuned for that. But Bryn, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do with Heartland? Yeah, thanks, Dylan. So... Yeah, my name is Bryn, and I've been working for Dylan for about a little over a year now at Heartland Ministry and College. It's based out of River of Light Church, where we're from in Cold Spring. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I I would describe my job as kind of dabble in a lot of areas, but I mainly oversee the academics of things and the whole admissions process and kind of just see what Dylan asked me to do. So Um, Yeah, I'm super passionate about academics. I love the vision that Dylan has for Heartland, which will probably pop into a lot of our conversations over um, the time we're doing this. But yeah, um, I guess a little another fun fact is I'm in grad school right now. Um, Yeah, I'm doing an online master's degree, so I feel like that'll also probably pop into maybe some things I talk about. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, One thing I do uh, as a part of my job at church is I work with Heartland Ministry and College, and we're just a ministry school that uh, we're we're trying to help students go wherever God's calling them to be. And so um, we thought this would be super useful for you know, high school students or people just exploring what am I supposed, what am I called to do? What, what should I be doing in life? Um, so we're actually going to talk about core values that we have at Heartland that we really think, um, as we were talking about it, aren't just ap- applicable to our students, but really to anyone who calls himself a follower of God. Mm-hmm. And so these are things we think are very important and we'll explain why we think they're important. Um, But we have 10 of those, and so we're going to cover the first five today. Like I said, part two is coming next month. Stay tuned. So don't miss that. (laughs) It's going to be good. Um, But our our first one, uh, and these are in no particular order, um, but our first one is really important, and it's we are passionate in pursuit of God's presence. Mm -hmm. And uh, really what that means is we want to go after the person of God. We believe that God isn't just a cosmic force in our universe, but he's a person. And just like any other person that you know, brother, sister, boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, dad, friend, um, a person is reachable through relationship. So you cultivate mm-hmm. a relationship with God just like you'd cultivate a relationship with anybody else. And so we are passionate about going after God's presence. I heard a a quote recently that planning without presence is Mm man-made. And um, anytime we're trying to accomplish something for the kingdom of God, if we rely on our own abilities without God's presence, it's it's manufactured, man-made. And we want God's hand, God's fingerprint to be over everything that we do. I love uh, Psalm 127, one, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer labors in vain. So unless God's presence comes, unless God shows up, we do a lot of work for nothing. And I think as a follower of God, um, as someone who says, I, I want to follow Jesus, 
we have to become passionate about God's presence. So, Brent, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's really good. Um, like one thing you mentioned at the beginning is that, you know, God is a, a person. And I think it can be really easy if you're not encountering his presence to start imagining what he's like instead of like really meeting him and then beginning to meet him with all his preferences. I know we've talked about that. Like you heard like this from someone else that, you know, God is a person and people have preferences. Mm -hmm. And I think it's when you're in his presence that you start to realize like, Oh, this is how I should act. Like this is how you want us to relate. Um, this is why I can't just choose my own way because you're not a God. I imagine you're a God I encounter. Um, so I think, presence is huge for moving people from that step of like, Oh, I think God is like this to like, you know, like you are God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a difference between taking a picture of the grand Canyon and going, Oh wow, that's so beautiful. And standing at the grand Canyon. When you experience Mm -hmm. something for yourself firsthand, it completely changes the way you talk about it, the way you interact with it, the way, Every every preconception you had about that idea is changed when you actually experience it. So rather than imagining what God is like, um, and a lot of times having a poor imagination when it comes to God, <laughs> if we experience his presence, then we're going to be uh, changed because we know what he's really like. So um, super good. I think, like Moses said, when he's leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, he said, God, unless your presence goes before us, there's no point going. It's mm-hmm. so important. David said, better one day in God's presence, in God's house, than a thousand elsewhere. So every main character throughout the Bible understood how important God's presence is. Even Jesus, he went off to a, a quiet place to be connected with God before he did anything meaningful with people, he always had meaningful time with God. So that's good. Uh, second one we want to cover today is we are reliant on God's spirit. And this is very similar, yeah. but there is some nuance here. Um, Bryn, you want to share some thoughts on this first? Yeah. So I, I've been super interested in kind of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives for a while now. And Almost ironically, I feel like I have learned the most about the Spirit in the New Testament by reading the Old Testament. And I honestly, I didn't expect (laughs) to find so much revelation in the Old Testament. Um, But there's three passages that really stick out to me of that kind of shine light on the Holy Spirit today and his, his value. And it's Deuteronomy 30, Jeremiah 31, and Ezekiel 36. And they're all kind of very similar in their context in that there is, um, there's this like warning of judgment or more of this declaration of judgment against the people of Israel because they broke the covenant. But within that, there's also this promise of like, at the end of the day, you're going to be restored. And so there's this like sense of, okay, because of the wickedness really of your heart, you're going to face this really terrible judgment. But one day, you're going to be restored to your land and your, your abundance and everything's going to be okay. And within that, I promise to give you a new heart. And 
in those passages together, you see that that new heart really is a promise of a heart that fears God and loves God. And in Ezekiel, it's actually really explicit that this is a promise of the Holy Spirit. And so reading that and studying that, I kind of had this like aha moment um, where I realized like, oh my goodness, like the, the hope, like the Christian hope of one day, like, you know, living it, like living in the kingdom of God is so integral that we have this new heart that fears and loves God that comes from his spirit within us. And so I think like, that's why I, I feel like I get really passionate <laughs> about um, like we're relying on God's spirit and that everything we do f- flows from God's spirit because that's like the, it was like the hope of the whole Old Testament is like one day my heart is going to be better. <laughs> um, and then I don't have to fear all this judgment anymore. So those are just some things I've picked up, I guess. Yeah. I think even in the new Testament, um, Paul talks about the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that resurrected Jesus, which is the greatest miracle in human history, by the way, um, lives in us. And Paul goes on to say, if, if that spirit that raised Christ from the dead if that didn't happen, our faith is useless. Mm-hmm. So understanding how important the spirit is, Jesus told his disciples uh, at the end of John and in the beginning of Acts, like, don't leave Jerusalem until you get the gift of the spirit. Like, don't do anything. Don't move. Don't, like, start a ministry. Like, don't call your friends. Don't <laughs> even tell people about me. Like Jesus said, don't tell other people about me until you have the Holy Spirit. That's how reliant we're supposed to be on the Spirit. And the word for Spirit in the New Testament is pneuma, and it's where we get our word for pneumatic, which is like air-powered. Air mm-hmm. You know, if, if you've ever heard of pneumatic tools, they're air-powered. But we are air-powered. We're pneumatic. We are powered by the Spirit of God. And without the Spirit of God, we really can do nothing. And without the presence of God, we really, all the stuff we do is in vain. So understanding that we have to be reliant, we have to be dependent and guided by God's spirit. And, and the spirit will lead us into all truth. So even when we're not sure what to do or what to think, the spirit of God leads us into all truth. And we have to be dependent on the spirit, just like we're dependent on our own breath that God has given us. So um, that's just so important, I think, for anybody who calls himself a Christian. Be dependent on God's spirit and get to know who God is. Um, Dylan, I kind of want to follow up with these past two questions because I think it's important to discuss, like how do young people start to cultivate a life aware of God's presence and reliant on the spirit? Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, I really think the number one thing you can do to cultivate any relationship is spend time. And, uh, you know, if you think about anything you do, whether it's a sport, whether it's uh, activity, you're not always good at it right away. Um, but the more time, the more intentional space you give that, whatever activity it is, the better you're going to be at it. Mm. And I think the more time you can spend um, I think of prayer and Bible reading like breathing. You know, one is a exhale and one is an inhale. When I pray to God, it's like, God, here are the things I'm, I'm trying to communicate to you. And a lot of times God does speak back in prayer. 
But I think reading God's word, what he's already spoken, you know, is so important because that's how God breathes back into me and speaks to me. Um, and so as I, as I read the Bible, I pray, God, would you reveal things to me? Would you speak to me? Let me be sensitive to what your spirit's saying, you know? Mm-hmm. And that might come in the form of a thought or that might come in the form of something that just kind of leaps off the page when I'm reading it. Um, and then when I'm in prayer, you know, I'm praying, God, I'm, I'm really praying God's truth in his word back. God, in your word, it says, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the more you can be intentional with time with God, I think that's going to equal um, dividends in your spiritual walk as you learn to discern, okay, what is God speaking to me? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get good at golf by going out one time and then you just are on the tour. Like, you have to go spend billions of hours when it comes to golf. Uh, but, you know, you spend a lot of time learning. And, and, like, sometimes you need lessons. You need people to come instruct you and teach mm-hmm. you, hey, how do I do this? So uh, always feel free to reach out to us. If you have any questions on any of this, feel free to shoot us a message on the Instagram, um, Deep Dive with Dilly, and uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get back to you on those things. But, yeah, that's, I think, really important is just spending that time practice. And by doing it, you will get better at it. That's uh, something we're learning in our book right now that we're reading for staff. So um, we'll move on to the next one for sake of time. Uh, But the next one is we are dedicated to discipleship. And um, I think this one can kind of be self-explanatory a little (laughs) bit. But Jesus, his command in Matthew 20 is to go into all the world and make disciples. And um, that's, that's our mission as Christians is to reach lost people, tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ, and make disciples, train them up so that they can do the same thing. It's the disciple cycle. And um, I think... Disciple cycle. Disciple cycle. (laughs) And it it keeps going on. It's actually been happening for over 2,000 years. The the first disciples that Jesus called made disciples, and they made disciples, and so on and so forth. And here we are, a byproduct of following Jesus throughout centuries. So... uh, our mission is to continue that disciple cycle. And um, it's really Jesus' last command, you know, was to make disciples and then wait for the Spirit. Uh, and if it's Jesus' last command, it should be our first priority. So we want not only to make, you know, Christians or make churchgoers or make people that, you know, wear the WW. JD bracelets or you know he would love first or we want people that are dedicated to follow God like you're not just gonna hear what he says but you're gonna do what he says and you're gonna give your life in full surrender to God yeah that's good is it okay if I go super Old Testament on us for a second (laughs) Bryn's like the Old Testament whisper so hit us with that OT wisdom it just it's just very relevant or like in my mind right now because I just wrote a paper on <laughs> Jeremiah 12 14 through 17 which actually taught me a lot about discipleship which I wasn't expecting to get but um, basically Jeremiah again in the context of judgment coming on the people of Israel or the people of Judah for breaking the covenant within that God actually does this little discourse on the nations in the midst of all this. And he says, he talks about that. He's going to bring the nations back to their lands kind of after they've experienced a judgment for themselves. 
Um, so that's, you know, just an example of, I think, his grace. That's, that's pretty universal towards all people. But then it says, and if they learn well the ways of my people and swear by my name, saying, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, even as they once taught my people to swear by, is it Baal? Yeah. Baal? <laughs> Thank sure. you, Dylan. Baal? Baal? Um, then Two they weeks. will be established among my people. But if any nation does not listen, I'll completely uproot and destroy it. Uh, declares the Lord. And so I was using this paper to really talk about, or this passage to talk about universal mission and how like even in the Old Testament in the prophets, we can see this universal scope of God's mission and relation to all people. But there's, there's this key passage or phrase in it that talks about if you learn well the ways of my people. Um, and if you don't, then you're going to be uprooted and destroyed. Um, and just kind of digging into that a little, it's really, you can kind of retranslate it to say, if you learn the Israelite religion and pledge your allegiance to their God, like that's kind of what you need to do. Um, and so now kind of as we're looking in New Testament life, uh, where, you know, most of us or I think a lot of us listening to this probably don't have a Jewish background, but we're still um, coming to the the Israelite God, it's that same like necessity is there that like we need to learn well the ways of God now revealed in Jesus um, because there's a really like really, really high importance on that uh, revealed in the Old Testament. So I think like following Jesus, there's there's this ethic to it or this um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there's really like intensity to that like he is the example of how we live before the Israelite God and we need to like take that seriously all all in conjunction with what we've talked about before like being led by his spirit but there's an importance to it yeah what I love about the Bible is that everything has kind of a mirror between old and new testament you know even the fact that we're supposed to turn to God in the new testament is a mirror of the old testament you know in the old testament Israel was the example for the world Mm -hmm. and if the world could live like israel was supposed to um they would also be blessed and in the new testament the mirror of that is the church if people live like christ and serve the god of christ you know god the father jehovah uh if we serve god um as the church the world will see and will take notice. And that's that's part of discipleship. If we can live like Christ told us to live, live devoted to him, it will be a model to the, to the rest of the world to turn to God. And then they too will have relationship with God. So mm-hmm. super cool that there's parallels between old and new. Um, yeah. Our fourth one is uh, a little bit different. It's not necessarily spiritual, but <laughs> it, it is spiritual, I think. And it's... Uh, we are simply excellent. Yeah. And um, what that means is that we strive to be the best that God has called us to be in every area. Um, I love what Colossians 3 says, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Um, a quote I love, I first heard from Matt Fraser, uh, fittest man on earth for like five years straight. Um, but he said, how you do anything is how you do everything. 
And um, just that idea of whether we're doing something that we would consider spiritual or something we might consider sacred or just like ordinary, um, whatever we do, we want to do it with excellence. And we want to we want to be simply excellent. We're not trying to be perfect. We're not perfectionists. Um, we're not putting more pressure on ourselves than we need to. But we want to do everything we do as if it's for God. And if I was going to serve God a meal, I'd want to bring my very best to the table, you know. So we want to be simply excellent. Um, Chris Hodges says, uh, excellence honors God and inspires people. So whatever we do, whether it's, you know, in a ministry context or just real life or it's the way I conduct myself when I'm out around the town or whatever, like I just want to do everything I can to be simply excellent because I know it's going to honor God and it will inspire people to do the same. And um, I love what Hebrews eleven six says. Um, it says that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Another word for that is diligently, like seeking with all your heart. If we can put all our heart, all of our passion, all of our, our energy, the best part of who we are into everything we do, I think it really speaks volumes to what we think brings glory to God. So yeah. any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's good. I think you make a good point of how like the, the spiritual and the secular really aren't supposed to be separate in our lives as Christians. Like it's like the whole world becomes um, this, this new arena to live out your Christian life. It's not like just the church building on a Sunday. And I think that's super important and, and super biblical too. Like even if you look at the New Testament miracles, they're pretty holistic. Um, you know, the kingdom of God is coming through healing. It's coming through um, like generosity. It's coming through, um, you know, freedom from sin. It's, it's coming through healing, healed relationships. Like the kingdom of God is, um, you know, it's, it's holistic. It's all encompassing. And so I think it's that societal. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really, if, if people just lived how God wanted us to live, all of society in every single aspect would be better. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> that's what the kingdom of God should look like. <laughs> and that's what it will look like. Yeah. And that's why Jesus said it has come and it is still coming. So the kingdom of God's here. Um, and life as we know it is changing, but we won't fully realize it till Jesus comes back and reigns as the king in his kingdom on earth. But that's a whole nother <laughs> part topic. three. If you, if you want us to talk about revelation and eschatological events, give us a, a like or something. But Oh, no. Last one, because uh, we're running out of time okay. today. Um, but it's been super good. I hope you guys are excited for part two because it's going to be probably even better. Yeah. But, and send follow-up. I don't know if we can do that. Yeah. But send follow-up questions if you yeah, have if them. If you have any, let us know. DM us. We will... We will answer those if you send them in. Um, so the last one is, we are followers of God and leaders of people. And um, I love this one because it speaks to what our purpose is. We're, our purpose is really twofold. We're supposed to follow God, but we're also supposed to influence other people. And that's one of our core values at Heartland. Like, we're going to know God. We're mm-hmm. going to grow spiritually. Um, we're going to discover our purpose, but we're going to influence others because this amazing gift God has given us is not meant to be kept to ourselves. 
So we are followers of God and leaders of people, but every leadership thing we do, and we could talk for hours on leadership, but just everything we do to lead people um, comes from, it flows from following God. It goes back to having that relationship with God and, and, and being reliant on his spirit and being in his presence. Everything we do flows from following God. And I love what Paul said. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's, that's my leadership model. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Jesus. Jesus was a servant leader who served other people um, and led through his servanthood. And Paul, I think, did a very similar thing. But follow me as I follow God. So we follow after God. Everything we do in life flows from that relationship. Um, but then I'm going to lead people. I'm going to share this with other people. I'm going to take people along for the journey um, because the journey is is important. And we're going to bring people along. Uh, we don't manage people. We manage things, but we lead people. Um, and there's a big difference between a manager and a leader. And if you've ever had a bad manager, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but if you've ever had a leader in your life, uh, you know the life that that can bring. So, um, yeah, everything we do should flow from that relationship with God. And as we follow God, mm-hmm. everything else gets added to that. You know, if you seek first my kingdom, then everything else you need will be added onto that. So, yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I guess just quick on this, I would just give some advice to all the young people listening to this is that if you're seeking a leadership position, especially in ministry, the most important, I think, thing you should do is become completely surrendered to God and to almost like be able to lay that leadership position down at his feet and be like, I'll go anywhere. I don't care if it's, you know, um, scrubbing the toilets like I um, to have your heart be in a posture of, I just want to serve you, I think is the right ground for him to start planting a leadership position. Um, so that would just be maybe some advice I'd share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the best leaders don't do it for the position. They do it for the purpose. And, um, yeah, so much more could be said on that, but we're really out of time today. Okay. (laughs) Super great episode. Um, we're, going to see you next month for part two where we'll cover the next five i hope you guys enjoy this episode have a great fourth of july and we'll see you next month yeah see you then